Welcome to the 49ers Camelot Show. What a way to start a season. That's how you do it, 49ers. Starting the season off right with a win in Pittsburgh over the Steelers. Great game by the 49ers all the way around, offensively, defensively. And it's impressive because they were playing on the road in Pittsburgh in the Eastern time zone, the the early game, so uh, 1 o'clock Eastern. And so like the, the odds were stacked against them. You've got a Steelers team with Mike Tomlin as their head coach who always seems to win on opening day. And the 49ers, who in recent years haven't been as good, they lost in 2020, they won in 2021, but they almost blew a big lead uh, to Detroit and uh, ended up winning that game. But Detroit actually had a chance to win that one. And then they dropped last year um, at the uh, at Chicago. And so you look at how bad the Bears played yesterday and to think that the 49ers lost to them a year ago is crazy to think. But this was uh, this is how dominant the 49ers were in their 30 to seven win over the Pittsburgh Steelers. It, here's the thing, especially especially on defense, but this kind of makes the point. There was a point late in the first half where the 49ers had more scoring drives, four, than the Steelers had first downs, zero. That's pretty impressive, man. I I just uh, I, I I'm blown away. I picked the 49ers to win because I I have to make picks for 49ers web zone. I wasn't sure. Like I leading up to uh, you know this time last week, I actually was thinking of of taking the Steelers uh, just because they're tough to beat in Week One uh, games. So. On like Saturday or Sunday, maybe Sunday morning, I just was like, you know what? I think the 49ers are going to win this game, and I hate to pick against the 49ers. And and so I went ahead and went with the 49ers. I had no idea that they were going to just dominate like they did. They outgained this. This was in the at one point in the first half. Fox put this up on the screen that the 49ers were outgaining the Steelers in yardage. 199 to one. That is complete domination. Now they did have that little meltdown there at the end um, where uh, Ambry Thomas was terrible. I'm going to get to him and Diamador Lenore had a couple of penalties. Although I don't think that that one, the, um, the illegal contact, I don't know if that was really a penalty because that was, it looked like it was right at that five yard mark. And then I heard Eric Crocker saying exactly the same thing that he didn't think that was, should have been a penalty. So, uh, so Josh, what's up, man? Great. Uh, great to see you here. And Bryant smash that like button. Everyone. Thanks, Bryant. Appreciate that. Randy, what's up? Good to have you in here. Josh said, uh, surprised me a little with how well they played on all three phases. Yeah, they they just were great all the way around. And, you know, week one is a funny thing. It, it's sometimes you have teams like the Bears last year beat the 49ers. Um, so there are fluky things that happen. And, and so we can't put a, a whole lot into some week one games like, like the Rams just beaten up on the, they beat the Seahawks 30 to 13. And we're going to talk about that here in, in, in just a few minutes. 
And so I don't know if that's legit, you know, if the Rams are, are actually good or not. Um, then you had some others like Cleveland beat uh, Cincinnati yesterday. That kind of surprised me. So it, it's hard in week one to know, are the 49ers really this good? Um, I don't think the Steelers are really this bad. And so I, I think the 49ers just dominated and made them look bad. But uh, this was the worst home loss in Mike Tomlin's career with the Steelers. That's pretty impressive uh, for the 49ers to go in and, and beat them by 23 points. So let's get into my observations. I have about 17 of them. I, I wrote this article for 49ers Web Zone today, and I put 15 observations. And then when I went back and, and actually counted, because I thought, you know what, I, I think I added some after I put uh, 15 of them. And so sure enough, there was like 17 or 18. So I put 17 on the title of this video, but uh, you can you can go count. It, it could be more. So we're just going to get several observations. So let's jump in. First thing that I wrote down, and I'm taking notes during the game. So this is where these come from. Brock Purdy didn't look like he missed the offseason recovering from a torn UCL. He was sharp. I, I was I was very impressed with Brock Purdy. Not only coming back and having no offseason except for his recovery. He had training camp that uh, but in training camp, you know, he was limited. There were some days that he that he didn't practice. And then there were times where he was, uh, they, what do they call it? A deloading day um, here like a week ago where he didn't practice uh, again. So it, you know, he, to me, I, he never ceases to amaze me at what he does. And every time people try to count him out, he ends up coming in and doing something great. So a huge game by Brock Purdy, especially considering that pass rush from the Steelers. And there, there were times that they got home that uh, they were putting some pressure on him. The running game, even though statistically the running game looks pretty impressive. I mean, McCaffrey had 152. They rushed for 188 yards, which is impressive. But I, for me, I felt like they weren't running the ball as well just, you know, if you take away some bigger plays like McCaffrey's 65 yarder um, and, and you can't take that away. I mean, cause it actually happened, but to me, I just felt like they weren't running as well, but they were facing a lot of loaded boxes. I saw on Twitter today um, and I don't know who posted this. Uh, if I could find it, I, I, I would, but uh, gosh, it was something like, um, it, it, but it was, it was telling how many loaded boxes, uh, you know, eight man fronts that uh, Christian McCaffrey was having to run against. And it was, it was by far the most, uh, that anybody faced. And so I don't know if the Steelers were saying, look, we're going to shut down the run or if they just didn't believe in block and Brock Purdy, uh, either way they were, they really game planned to stop the run and you could tell, uh, but Here's here's the thing. When McCaffrey beat that uh, that uh, that front, then we see the big run. And uh, so a great game by Brock Purdy. Uh, the next thing I put is that Purdy is so calm and poised. He may lack the arm strength of other quarterbacks, but he has all the other tools that you want your quarterback to possess. He's just uh, he's calm. He's he's got that that humble 
arrogance. And I know that's kind of an oxymoron, but it's like he's he's probably a humble guy in in real life, but on the field, he's just so confident. And I think that's what you want in your quarterback because we've seen over the years, whether, whether it was a young Alex Smith or a young Trey Lance, uh, although he's still young, um, you see from some of those quarterbacks who lack some confidence, maybe that, uh, although I, I do think that Lance has a lot of confidence, but I just think that some of the, it, it sometimes it didn't show. Um, sometimes he looked a little lost and I mean, he needed development. So that's, that's why. Um, but Alex, I remember in, in the early years with Alex Smith, he, he just looked like he lacked confidence, but once he had Jim Harbaugh, um, all of a sudden he became this, this, uh, different quarterback. And so, I mean, I remember in the, the, that big game against the saints in the playoffs, uh, in, uh, the, the uh, 2011 playoffs when Alex scored on that, uh, that quarterback keeper and, and he took the ball down the left sideline scored, man, he was barking and he was really uh, celebrating. And I don't think that we would have seen that from young Alex. Well, Brock already has that. He, uh, man, the guy celebrates and he's just, uh, he's not afraid to, uh, to, to get in people's face. Uh, let's see. The next, my next thing was Spencer Burford had two first quarter penalties for 15 yards. That's not ideal. Um, man, Burford, uh, Burford didn't have a great game. Uh, in fact, I saw some PFF ratings, which hey, here's the thing. I, I, so I'm going to wait and I'm going to wait and hit on that PFF thing. Uh, but they, they had Burford ranked pretty low. He was, uh, I think the maybe the the lowest ranked uh, 49ers player uh, from yesterday's game, I believe. So I wish I could find. I should have I should have kept that tweet. But um, yeah, I believe he was like the lowest ranked uh, one. Um, Randy said Brock is a computer with with a better processor. Yeah, he's. He does process things quickly. He's, uh, uh, man, he just, he makes decisions. He sees things and, and, uh, uh, just like what he lacks in the physical tools, he more than makes up for in, uh, in, in the, uh, in, in the head, you know, he's, he's accurate. I mean, he hit, he hit guys. He made some throws yesterday that, uh, no disrespect to Trey, but, but Trey's not making them because they're just, they just were touch passes that needed to be in the right spot, you know, and I don't know if Jimmy Garoppolo makes those either. Randy in the chat said, could Burford lose his job to Feliciano? I don't think that it's definitely not going to happen anytime soon. This, we have to remember that this front uh, for the Steelers, they're really good. So for Colton McKivitz, and I'm going to hit on him in a minute, for these guys to struggle some against the Steelers is not a big deal. Next week they play uh, another good front. You know, Burford may be playing a lot against uh, Aaron Donald. In fact, that's probably where Aaron Donald's going to line up. And so, you know, not uh, not an easy first couple of games for the 49ers offensive line. But this is this is where they uh, this is where they make their money, and this is where they develop. So we'll see. Uh, let's see. 
Uh, my next note was the offensive line as a whole performed well, though. The Steelers have an elite def- defensive front, but the 49ers protected Purdy well for the most part. My next note was Brandon Ayuk may want Nick Bosa type money soon. He finished the game with eight catches for 129 yards and two touchdowns. He was the best player on the field for most of the game and caught every single pass thrown his way. So eight catches, eight targets. So man, Ayuk was just incredible. He's the next one up to be paid and he deserves to get it. Um, If the 49ers somehow don't, pay him and and he gets away man that's going to be a bad mistake i think that they need to they need to keep brandon Ayuk and and make sure that he's on the team for a while because man the guy's just getting better and better and better we all have known about his route running i heard eric crocker say that the only thing that he felt like he needed to see from brandon Ayuk was to go up and make a contested catch that's the only thing that he hadn't seen and Ayuk did that yesterday. So um, huge day uh, for Brandon Ayuk. What a great way to start the season. Next thing was that uh, Drake Jackson must want Bosa type money too. He had two sacks in the first half, added a third in the second half. And so it was really great to see because Drake Jackson had a good season last season early on, and then he kind of tailed off at the end and even wasn't, uh, was wasn't, uh, you know, not only didn't did not play, but I don't think he suited up for uh, a lot of the games. I think he was inactive, maybe for some games toward the end of the season. And so for for Drake Jackson to have the kind of game. Now I realize that it wasn't him beating somebody around the end and, and getting the sack, but he did what he was supposed to do. When when uh, Hargrave and Armstead started to collapse that pocket then uh, Drake Jackson would come in and get those cleanup sacks, but that's what he's supposed to do. So I thought that that was really encouraging. Uh, a good thing to see. Cleveland Furl looks like he's been given new life. He looked really good yesterday. Uh, he played on, on first and second down, and then Drake Jackson came in on uh, the obvious passing downs. And so really liked what I saw from uh, Cleveland Furl uh, yesterday. The next note that I wrote down was death taxes and Jake Moody. The rookie kicker was three for three on field goals. He was also good on all of his PATs. So it looks like Jim Harbaugh was right. Harbaugh, of course, said death taxes and Jake Moody to uh, make the point that uh, you can always count on Moody. Obviously, here with the 49ers, we've always been able to count on Robbie Gold. So um, so that's, you know, to have Moody have a game where he was, uh, basically six for six, um, you know, three PATs, three field goals. Um, so that was really encouraging, especially after not having the greatest, um, preseason. Uh, Randy asked, did Oliver play? Yes, he did. He, um, Ambry Thomas went out. So, so what they did is they had Diamador Lenore playing in as nickel corner. And so they started with that and they started with Ambry Thomas on the outside. Uh, so Ambry Thomas left the game at one point. Um, I think he left for good. Uh, and, and I believe they were testing him for a concussion. Although I think that Kyle Shanahan said last night that those, um, those uh, the the tests for the concussion came back negative, 
So he doesn't have a concussion. But yeah, when he went out, Isaiah Oliver came in and um, and so he played and and uh, and Josh said uh, he did and pretty well in his snaps. So yeah, I I didn't notice that he played poorly. Um, I felt like Diamador Lenore needs to be on the outside and. I know that we were down on Isaiah Oliver, but I I don't know. I I would rather see Isaiah Oliver in the slot with Lenore on the outside than I would to see Lenore in the slot and Ambry Thomas on the outside. I'm going to get to Ambry Thomas in a minute. Um, Well, actually, that's my next note. And, And so the note is that I wrote down, I wasn't high on Ambry Thomas going into this game that has hasn't changed. I just don't think he's any good. Um, I know that's kind of uh, that, that's kind of Grant Cone like, and and I don't I don't want to be like that because I respect these guys a lot, and I don't want to say anything negative about them. But I just I, I haven't been sold on Ambry Thomas uh, for the last couple of years, and so to have him starting on the uh on the outside just kind of made me nervous and i think we saw on that final drive now i think the 49ers may have been playing a little soft um i don't know i don't know what they were calling but uh that that final drive of the first half just looked too easy for the steelers i mean here was the steelers offense had gained like one yard in the first half and on that final drive they drove all the way down the field and scored a touchdown and that you know, Ambry Thomas was not good. He kept getting beat on that drive. And so to me, he just needs, um, I, I just think the 49ers need some, someone else. I, is, is Samuel Womack not better? Um, I, I just don't know. Uh, Josh said, uh, Demo needs to stay outside. He's coming along. Well, yeah, I agree. I think that, I think that Diamador Lenore is better on the outside than he is on the inside. And really it's kind of unfair for a young corner. You remember when they did this to Jimmy Ward, um, starting back in the Harbaugh days, uh, I think Harbaugh, I think they drafted Jimmy Ward. What was that? 2014. I think, uh, that was Harbaugh's last year. And so they put him in the slot and then the next regime moved him, uh, I think to corner to, uh, safety or, or to the outside or something. They kept moving him and, and he played outside. He played uh, in nickel. He played safety. And I remember him saying, look, I can't, I can't learn when I'm constantly being moved. And, and so I think that I, I get that. I understand that uh, it's hard to learn different types of jobs sometimes, especially when you're young, Randy in the chat asks, do you guys think we were really good or did the Steelers play really bad? I I think it's a combination of both. I think that the 49ers are really good and they caused the Steelers to play really bad. Um, They uh, last week I had, I had four keys to win in this game and one was win the turnover battle, which they did. And so they kept forcing those turnovers. I've, I've, thought that they needed to um, rattle Kenny Pickett. I think that they did that. You know, he looked good in that final drive of the first half, but but he really didn't look that great the rest of the game. Uh, and he looked terrible before that. 
I felt like they needed to shut down Nijay Harris and they did. He had six carries for 31 yards. Um, and then I, I felt like they had to protect Brock Purdy and, and I mean, they did to an extent. Uh, I think the Steelers had uh, how many sacks? Let me see. The Steelers had three sacks. And so, and Purdy got hit, you know, a few other times. But I mean, really, that's three sacks against an elite pass rush. And let's see, Alex uh, Highsmith, he didn't have any sacks. TJ Watt had three. So that dude, um, I mean, if you hold TJ Watt to, to, if he gets three sacks on you, that's, that's, I don't think that's anything to hang your head about because that guy is just elite. If there's a pass rusher better than Nick Bosa, it's TJ Watt. That guy is just incredible. Um, so yeah. Um, and yeah, what Josh says, a little of both what our offense did was really impressive. I agree, especially with that pass rush. I mean, that was my biggest concern. I said it all last week that Colton McKivitz against TJ Watt made me really nervous, but uh, hey, they got it done. Uh, so Christian McCaffrey, I said Ambry Thomas is not very good. Christian McCaffrey, on the other hand, is really good. Um, 151 yards rushing, and I believe I saw a stat that over 100 of those came after contact, which shows you that I, I, that's that explains why uh, when we we're talking about how the the Steelers were playing with with loaded boxes, I mean that's that it shows you that uh, that McCaffrey was beating those boxes at times and picking up some yardage after uh, after he was initially touched. Um, I would like to see McCaffrey a little bit less though, especially when the team has a big lead. I mean, he played late in the game. I, there was, you know, there you, you reach a point where you know it's over. And to me, I don't see why he was still in there. Um, you know, I have had some people reach out to me and say, because I actually tweeted that last night, why is he still in there? Why is Bosa still in there? And I had people reach out and say, look, they didn't play in the preseason, so maybe they're just trying to get more uh more work for him, but, uh, I don't know. I just, I think I would rather him stay healthy, you know, and, and not get hurt. I mean, Elijah Mitchell's healthy. So why, uh, why wasn't he carrying the ball more? Let, let him close out the game. When you have a big lead like this, get those guys like McCaffrey out of there. The 49ers are going to use McCaffrey a lot. I think he carried the ball, uh, I, what was it like 68, 70% of the, of the carries. Um, so McCaffrey had 22 carries, uh, Elijah Mitchell had five. And so Debo Samuel had two. I, uh, gosh, this e, this ESPN thing says that Sam Darnold had two. So I don't know what that means unless was Darnold the one that took the, the final two snaps yesterday. Uh, I totally missed that. I thought that Brock Purdy did that, but ESPN has it as uh, Sam Darnold, two carries, negative two yards. So I don't know, maybe Darnold took those final two snaps. Um, here's the next thing I wrote down. On that 65-yard touchdown run by McCaffrey, 
Ayuk and Ray Ray McLeod had great blocks down the field. You don't have big runs without excellent blocking from your wide receiver. And it kind of what it made me think about was when back in 98 in the opening game against the New York Jets, when the 49ers and the Jets went into overtime and Garrison Hurst ran 96 yards for the game-winning touchdown. And who was running down there beside him um, blocking? It was Terrell Owens. And and Owens had come from like the other side of the field, and, and yet he was running down there. That's what you need. You need wide receivers running down the field, blocking. That's how you get big, uh, big runs like that. And so that was, that was pretty cool to see. Um, and, uh, it just, just reminded me of, of, uh, that Garrison Hurst run when T.O. was running down there. Bryant said, Darnold took the last snaps. All right. So I missed that. I thought that it was Purdy in there, but I, I may have been writing down notes too, uh, and just missed it. But, uh, uh, let's see. My next note is, Colton McKivitz having to block TJ Watt was hard to watch at times, but I'm not going to judge McKivitz yet because of who he was against. I mean, if he was blocking some no-name guy and and gave up three sacks, then that that would have been a bigger deal, you know. And one of them was a strip sack, um, and, and then there was the other one that that Brock uh, fumbled it, and then somehow <laughs> kind of like clinched it in his butt or whatever he did to, to hang on. That was, that was pretty, that was pretty impressive. I don't know how he held on to that ball, but uh, I'm, I want to wait and see how McKivitz does when he's not facing an elite pass rusher. Now I know that he's going to be facing elite pass rushers all the time, but TJ Watts probably the best one that he's going to face this year. And so I don't want to, I don't want to judge McKivitz before he has a chance to, to actually play guys that aren't like superhuman. Um, you, can, you can tell I'm really high on TJ Watt. That guy is, if, if I had to trade Nick Bosa for another pass rusher, it would be TJ Watt. I don't want to trade Nick Bosa, but I really like TJ Watt. Um, next thing, Dre Greenlaw and Fred Warner were everywhere, but what else is new? Those guys were running side to side, they were hitting gaps and, and stuff in the run game. They were back in the back in the secondary making plays. I mean, Fred Warner tipped that ball that Hufanga picked off. And what was with that lateral? That was uh, that was so crazy. As soon as he did it, I was like, oh no, that's that's coming back. Uh, you could just tell that it wasn't uh, wasn't behind him. But uh, I mean, Fred Warner, he dropped that one interception. But here's the thing that I was going to talk about, the PFF ratings. So they rated Colton McKivitz really low. Um, they rated uh, Spencer Burford really low. Those two were the lowest on the team. The next lowest on the team was a defensive player, Fred Warner. So I, I put on Twitter, I don't know how PFF scores. I don't know how that works. But if Fred Warner is the lowest rated defensive player on the team, then I think how they score is is messed up because Fred Warner was amazing yesterday. And so for him to have such a poor uh rating was just was just ridiculous. Um I just don't I don't get how that works. 
Uh, let's see. Javon Hargrave had his first sack with the 49ers. I'd love to see like 19 more of those. Um, after the game, Nick Bosa spoke about him and said, yeah, I mean, we would watch Hargrave with Philly. And I think between him and Chris Jones and obviously Aaron Donald, it's pretty close on who affects games as much from the inside. And to add him with Eric Armstead, it's going to help us a lot on, on the edge. And so, yeah, man, this is uh, Javon Hargrave and Eric Armstead. And this was my next note were dominant early on. They, they collapsed the pocket over and over again. To me, there, there was a point um, in the third quarter, you know, like late in the third quarter, early in the fourth quarter, where it seemed like the pass rush wasn't getting there. Um, so I don't really know what was going on with that. I'd have to go back and watch, but Hargrave and Armstead are going to be a deadly combination for NFL offenses this, this year. Uh, so I'm so excited to, to see them together and to see what they did yesterday was uh, pretty cool. Josh in the chat said to take PFF scores with a grain of salt. Yeah. Yeah. You have to, because it's just, um, I mean, to, we we can see that Spencer Burford and Colton McKivitz didn't play well, but we also can see that uh, Fred Warner was amazing. And so for him to be the lowest rated defensive player uh, for PFF is just stupid. And uh, I'd be happy to tell them. Cosmo, what's up, fellas? Awesome win. Yeah, yeah, it's a lot of fun. Uh, it's good to have a a win Monday and, and not, not like last season where not only were, were we, um, you know, not only did, did the 49ers lose, but you know, we're looking at this whole thing and, and Trey Lance wasn't great. Uh, although really his teammates weren't in, in that game either, but, uh, just, uh, and that game was kind of stupid. Remember the, remember the play where, uh, Justin Fields, is rolling to his left and then he stops and turns across the field and finds Dante Pettis of all people for a long touchdown. That was just a dumb, uh, stupid game. Uh, but, uh, yes, Mitch, who are you talking about? Who's Mitch? I don't know who you're talking about. Um, so here's my last thing. Uh, other than the defensive snaps, to, or the defensive laps to end the first half. Steve Wilkes' debut was was dominant. I mean, so what do you, what did you think of Steve Wilkes' performance? He didn't do anything out of the ordinary. I don't know if he blitzed at all. I don't remember seeing a blitz, but that doesn't mean he didn't. It just I could have been writing and missed uh, missed the uh, uh, the play. But he really played it more like D'Amico. Ryan's and uh, Robert Sala played, uh, you know, with just letting that uh, front four get after the quarterback and and then playing it from there. And so, um, oh, so Josh was talking about Mitch Wisnowski. Yeah, he did, and he had to he had to do kickoff duties. And usually, like in the past, Wisnowski, when he had to kick off, he didn't uh, he didn't uh, he didn't punt as well. But yesterday he had a good game, had some some key punts there, and uh, kept uh, kept putting the Steelers back uh, close to their goal line. So, yeah, good game by Mitch. Sorry, I forgot your name, Mitch. Um, 
so yeah, what do you what do y'all think about D'Amico Ryan's? Uh, I mean, <laughs> D'Amico Ryan's. D'Amico Ryan's lost his first game as a head coach. Uh, but uh, Steve Wilkes, how do you think he did yesterday? Um, I, I, I was happy with what he did because he, he didn't try to do too much. He stuck with what they're good at. And uh, there are going to be times where he's going to need to bring more pressure, but he didn't have to yesterday. And uh, and so that was, that was a good thing. Um, so next up is, is the Rams. And the 49ers are going to be traveling to Inglewood to play the Rams. And so here's the thing. I went into yesterday thinking, okay, Pittsburgh's going to be tough. The Rams, that's, that's going to be an easy game. There's no Cooper cup. And, and then the Rams beat the Seahawks in Seattle, 30 to 13. So now I'm a little more concerned. I'm hoping that this is one of those week one flukes. Um, The Rams traditionally, play the Seahawks really well. And, and then the 49ers uh, typically play the Rams really well. And the Seahawks play the 49ers. And so I hope those kinds of things because Pittsburgh and then go to LA and, and lose to the stinking Rams. Um, Cause we don't want them to get any kind of, uh, like momentum, you know, or get their confidence. We want them to stink and we want them to know that they stink. But Matthew Stafford had 334 yards passing yesterday. Um, two of their receivers went over uh, 100 yards. Uh, Tutu Atwell had six catches for 119. And Puka Naku, I guess that's how you say his name, 10 catches for 119 yards as well. Uh, Tyler Higby had three for 49. So, the Rams, man, they played a tough game. And uh, uh, Bobby Wagner, I don't know if you saw this, Bobby Wagner, uh, who, who was back in Seattle, he had 19 tackles yesterday. So just crazy. Um, but the uh, the Rams, uh, they that may end up being a tougher game than I thought that it was going to be. Now, Kyle Shanahan does have the Rams number, so hopefully that's, uh, that's going to be uh, – something that we'll keep on seeing. So let me catch up with the chat here. Josh said, enjoy Wilkes blitz packages. Yeah, I didn't see any yesterday, but uh, that doesn't mean that he didn't blitz. Cosmo said, Wilkes did good. I think he'll know more about his players the more games they play. Yeah, good point. Randy said, Rams own Seattle. Yeah, and for a long time, Seattle owned the 49ers and the 49ers hopefully still own the Rams. Cosmo said division games are usually pretty competitive. Yeah. And when you put them in week one, you just never know. Like I picked the Packers to beat the bears yesterday, but I didn't think that the, that it was going to be such a blowout. I mean, it wasn't even close. I, I live in the Chicago area. So, so that game was on after the 49ers game. And so I was watching that one and the bears just, they're just bad. And I'm like, how, how did the 49ers lose to this team? Uh, just last year. I mean, you know, and, and the play calling, I mean, Justin Fields said there was a point where he was like six for eight and all the bears kept doing was running the ball. And I'm, I'm like, why are you, why are you running the ball when your quarterback's actually throwing pretty well? So 
that's I, I think that if they stink again, they they may be looking for a, a coach yet again, and and maybe they'll move on from Justin Fields. I don't know. He's actually the one that I was hoping the 49ers were drafting in 2021. I was happy with Trey Lance, but I really wanted Justin Fields because I felt like he was more game ready than than Lance was, and and I just I liked his his ability to move and. And when you watch that game in, in Chicago last year, Fields was moving really well, even though uh, the rain and the muddy field. But Trey, man, when he was running, he looked like he was in slow motion. So, But maybe that was just because it was compared to, to Fields. But, but uh, yeah, that's all that I have for, uh, for today. I'm going to be uh, live on Wednesday on the PF uh, – on the uh, – PSF app, the pro sports fans. So go check that out. Some of you are already in there because I've seen you in there. I've seen Josh in there. I've seen Cosmo in there. Uh, so, I don't know if I've seen any of the others in there. Maybe I have, uh, but uh, go check that out. And uh, so Wednesday at uh, two Pacific time, I'm going to be live in there with, uh, with Anthony uh, a 49ers cutback and he knows his stuff, man. He's, he's really good. And so it's, it's pretty, uh, pretty cool talking to him. Um, so then it's probably on Thursday, I'll be live again, maybe with, uh, maybe with a 49ers mailbag, maybe with, um, some tips to, for the 49ers to win, uh, this, uh, this game against the, uh, the Rams. Cosmo said, I'm seeing a Jim Harbaugh return to the NFL next season. Bears or Chargers? Hmm. I'd rather Jim Harbaugh go to the AFC. That's me personally, but uh, but yeah, that's uh that's gonna be that'll be pretty interesting. I, I I do hope that Harbaugh comes back to the NFL because he's just so good for the NFL. So appreciate the the love, guys. Appreciate the uh uh Appreciate you joining me. So if you if you're watching on YouTube, make sure you hit that like button and go subscribe. Hit that bell so that uh, maybe uh, uh, you, maybe you can be notified whenever whenever uh, we go live. And uh, if you're listening somewhere on uh, Apple or Spotify or wherever, uh, make sure that you rate, review, and and follow the 49ers Camelot Show. Everybody have a great rest of your day. And enjoy that game tonight. I think it's going to be a good game between the Bills and the Jets. I picked the Bills to win, but I wouldn't be stunned if the Jets won. So either way, it's going to be a lot of fun.